company wanting another company, if you will. Uh, and it's you know, no cheap trick. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because a lot of activist investors, it seems these days, are pressuring companies to slim down. But that does not seem to be the case with United Technologies. In fact, Corey, they're going the opposite route. They are trying to bulk up uh, to discuss their potential acquisition of Rockwell Collins. We have with us in the Bloomberg 1130 studio, Joel Levington, Global Head of Fixed Income Research at Bloomberg Intelligence, and Douglas Rothaker, Aerospace and Defense Analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence as well. Well, great to have you guys with us. Uh, uh, Douglas, why don't I start with you here? Uh, why would uh, United Tech even think of buying Rockwell when everyone else seems to be slimming down? Right. So right now, it seems like they're bulking up, although slimming down is not out of the cards, I would say, for United Technologies. Uh, the strategic rationale for UTX going after Rockwell is pretty clear, right? Develop, you know, increase an already uh, world's largest aerospace portfolio. It would roughly be on a pro forma basis $40 billion in revenue. Uh, you know, that's inside, outside the aircraft engines, and you name it, United Technologies aerospace business will therefore be basically doing everything. And so with that said, they have intense pricing pressure from the OEMs, Boeing and Airbus. And Boeing came out last week and said that they plan to develop their own avionics business, um, likely to be on their next aircraft, 797, maybe in the mid-20s. Um, what's, so, what's the day for 797? I'm sorry? 797 is expected to be up? Mid-2020s mid, mid, mid is kind of the, the time horizon now they're, they're speculating on getting that aircraft to market. So long story short is there there's intense pricing pressure, a lot of pressure to, for, from Boeing to take some aftermarket revenue and services. So this is clearly a play for scale and you know prevent that, uh, that market share risk. Joel, talk to us about the uh, uh, structure of this deal, what it tells us about uh, the interest rate environment expectations and so on. Oh, sure. Uh, you know, um, what I would say, Corey, is uh, to, to Doug's point, is that this might just be a, a landing spot until you see a separation of the company. Because I think, uh, you know, if you're talking about uh, buying a company that makes, um, you know, seating for airplanes, as uh, Rockwell Collins does through BE Aerospace, does that really add a lot of value to, uh, you know, carrier HVAC equipment? Well, let's 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 talk about that BE Aerospace before we get too far afield on that. I mean, that's a, that's a deal that's ink's barely dry on that. I mean, that was October 2016. It was an eight billion dollar deal um, that you know Rockwell Collins currently with BE Aerospace has a twenty billion dollar market cap. Um, uh, you know, that's it's a big chunk of that. Just, just, would UTX even know what they're getting with this, these two companies just having merged? Well, B, uh, BE Aerospace was a public company uh, and and has been and uh, you know a very good cash flow generator. So I think they have an idea of what they would be getting there. I, I think the the more critical question starts becoming, you know, does that really need to be attached to Otis Elevators? And I think the answer is no. And I think that's what their investors uh, want and expect. And, and it becomes, how do you finance that? And for people should know that for United Technologies, for all of the interesting businesses, they're in everything from making Bradley fighting vehicles to whatever, Otis Elevators is the real cash cow within that business. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, Doug, did you have uh, some? Yeah, I mean, they're, not, they're not in Bradley's, but they do make Otis Elevators. They do make carrier uh, air conditioners, right. so their climate control business, kitty fire alarms, so, so you name it. Uh, $30 billion in revenue roughly from their billing and industrial um, arm of the business. So a, a lot of uh, uh, questions among the investor base and, and why these two, you know, now if they uh, do acquire Rockwell Cons, it puts them at a 60-40 split on aerospace. 
And so they'll largely be likely valued, um, you know, given that weighting. And so, so why do the why do the two large businesses belong together going forward? Uh, Doug, you mentioned Carrier. Uh, it was not without some uh, politic-related headlines uh, before Donald Trump was inaugura- inaugurated. But all right, we got this new administration in here. Uh, any sort of outlook you can give us on whether Washington is going to up the pressure on this deal, or or whether it it might go through somewhat seamlessly? I think from a product portfolio standpoint, there's uh, the risk is on is is fairly low, right? If you if you look at the products that they make. Um, you know, stretching across the aircraft, there's very little overlap. I don't see any concern there. Boeing, uh, very much so, will will probably be um, very much against this uh, this this action here. You know, any any risk that they see to um, pricing pushback and consolidation of their supply chain, they've been vocal about it in the past that they 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 really don't want to see that. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they were um, not smiling today. And the price on this deal. I mean, what's, what's, you know, when we look into the valuations yep. for Rockwell Collins right now, at, at, at the price of stock trades up only 6% on this uh, today. I would have thought maybe get more of a boost. It's trading at three times sales, that's not insane for this market, four times book. Yeah, it, tra- it traded up sharply late last week, so some of that is kind of getting worked through. Right. Um, I think there was some recent headlines uh, breaking that there was a, a, a a proposed offer below 140. Uh, we looked last week when when all this came out, and 140 puts us right about at a 20 percent uh, premium. So I think that's kind of a floor for this situation, given what uh, we've seen for other aerospace deals. Um, and then obviously for a total value, you got to add uh, almost eight billion dollars in debt if you want to look right. at it that way. Uh, and 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 again, what do we make of the structure of of the offer? Well, I think uh, capital structure that would be appropriate. Uh, would be something like a 50-50 uh, debt equity deal uh, that would be done at leverage at roughly uh, three and a half times. That would be similar to what Honeywell tried to take United Technologies out, uh, and that could uh, help them maintain the single-A rating that they wanted. Uh, alternatively, if they did look to break the company up into aerospace company and industrial company, uh, you know, one scenario that we uh, pointed out was leveraging up the uh, industrial business to about three and a half times, that would give a $20 billion dividend back to the parent, to the aerospace company, which uh, would also uh, retain about $9 billion of cash, which could go a long way towards financing the, the deal. Yeah, and, 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 and to your point, Rockwell Collins has about $8 billion in debt on top of its $20 billion market cap. So the $8 billion in debt, most of it due far out, so they've got some room to run. Great stuff, guys. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, uh, Doug Rothacker and uh, Joel Livington, both of Bloomberg Intelligence, um, talk about this Rockwell Collins. You were listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio.